my mind, take our minds and think through them and take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you, one another and the whole world. Where do we hear God's call to us? God's invitation individually and as a community. This morning in our readings, we hear two very different call stories. The first is for lack of a better word, a trippy vision that the prophet Isaiah relates of his encounter with God in the temple. It contains fantastic beasts with six wings who glorify God with the song that Christians around the world still sing whenever the Eucharist is celebrated. We know it as the Sanctus or the Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God of hosts. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Did you know that those words come from the lips of six winged beasts or serpents? that bow before God in worship, with voices which cry out so loud that the portals of the temple shake. Isaiah cries out as well, confessing his wonder that he, though full of guilt and remorse and living in the midst of a corrupt world, has seen God. One of the beings comes and frees him of his guilt, and Isaiah, caught up in the moment, grateful to be so cleansed, or perhaps just grateful to still be alive, volunteers in response to God's question, whom shall I send? Here I am. Send me, even though he has no idea where this path will lead. The scene feels magical, dangerous, glorious, and full of mystery. Go back and read it. There's proclamation, confession, forgiveness, absolution, invitation, sending forth. Sounds familiar? All of the elements of our worship service right there in a few short words. Now, in Bible study, someone commented that they were grateful that absolution didn't evolve to include touching scorching coals to our lips. But I do love the moments in worship when we glimpse some mystery or at least some significance of what it is we're proclaiming. Author Annie Dillard writes about church services in her book, Teaching a Stone to Talk. Does anyone have the foggiest idea of what sort of power we blithely invoke? It is madness to wear ladies' straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews. For the sleeping God may wake someday and take offense, or the waking God may draw us to where we can never return. Then we have the Gospel of Luke. Simon Peter and his crew have been fishing all night long, repeatedly lowering their nets into the water, dragging them along, pulling them up, hoping to catch a haul of fish, or at least one or two. This is no mere recreational activity. This is their livelihood. 
with the rising of the morning sun, they start carefully washing their empty nets and cleaning them from debris so they don't rot and wear out. I've been told that a majority of a fisherman's life at that time was probably spent cleaning and mending their nets. It appears that they are finishing this task when Jesus approaches. So when Jesus turns to Peter and says, take us out to the deeper water and put down your net, I'm quite sure this is the last thing that Peter wants to do. Seriously, you're telling me how to do my job? We've already spent the whole night fishing and have nothing to show for it. Not to mention that all of our nets have been cleaned and put away, and if we put them back into this water, we're going to have a whole lot more work to do. I wouldn't have blamed Peter if he had refused, but something, we don't know what, causes him to heed Jesus's words, to let down the nets, and they are filled to the brim with fish, with abundance, so much that he needs to call for the other boat and the other fishermen and his partners to help bring in the bounty. Peter, like Isaiah, is moved deeply by this experience and responds similarly, falling down on his knees and saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Jesus' response, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. And with that, it seems, they bring in their boats, leave everything, and follow Jesus. Here I am. Send me. Do not be afraid. You're going to be doing something different now. Follow me. I think... These stories are here for us to be reminded that God has always sought God's people to be involved in the work God is doing in the world. And it's no different for us. What is God calling us to do? Where are the places in the world that we are being sent out into? Where is God speaking to us? In a recent confirmation class, one of the teens asked me the following question. When in your life was a moment you really felt God? I was startled by the depth of that question, having not, I remember being asked that by anyone before, but I was profoundly grateful to be asked and I told them this story, one that I haven't shared often because it feels a little crazy sometimes <laughs> whether it actually happened. The week before my ordination to the priesthood, I was at Holy Cross Monastery on retreat with the other three colleagues who were about to be ordained alongside of me. The diocese had gathered us there for three days of conversation, prayer, fellowship, the last morning, I woke up planning on joining the brothers there for worship before breakfast, but instead found myself wandering down to the banks of the Hudson River. I wanted to just be alone with my thoughts, which were many and far-reaching as I thought about this upcoming ordination 
feeling what I can only assume was a normal mix of elation, anxiety, joy, doubt, as I thought about the implications of saying, I believe I am so called in response to the bishop's questions. I raved at a spot overlooking the Hudson and settled myself in on a rock. And suddenly my thoughts shifted to my dad who had died some four years earlier. I found my eyes filling with tears. He hadn't even known that this was a path I was considering. Before he died, he had suffered for years with dementia. And so our conversations had focused purely on the past or in the present moment. The words came rather unbidden to my lips. Dad, I'm making this decision. Am I making the right one? I wish you were here. I wish you would be at that ordination. How do I know what to do next? And I looked down at the river and there were fish. Dozens and dozens of fish jumping out of the water in joyous arcs. And as clear as if he were sitting next to me, I heard my dad say, Go fish. Now, my dad loved to fish. He taught each of our three kids, his three kids, how to bait a line and cast it out, and his grandchildren as well. My favorite memories of him involve him with his fishing rod in hand. So it didn't surprise me in retrospect, that God would use my dad and some crazy jumping fish to send me the message that I didn't need to have it all figured out. I didn't need the details all laid out in front of me. I just needed to go fish. When is a moment in your life you have really felt God? I'm throwing that question out from that confirmand to me to all of us to think about over the next days and weeks and months to come. I like to imagine that Isaiah, that Isaiah told the story of that day in the temple, that Peter and James and John told about the day the fish were so plentiful that they followed this guy and learned how to love. I like to imagine that we today here at St. Thomas will begin to consider our own stories that we will ask each other and share those stories, fantastical or ordinary, stories that we have started to live out or stories that we're not really sure if they have anything to do with God at all. So I venture to say, if we think they do, they probably do. And together we will continue to proclaim and confess and absolve and sing and seek and put down our nets into the deep. I was moved by the collect for the day when I read it earlier in the week. Let's pray it again. Let us pray. Lord of deep waters, you call us from the safety of the shore to an adventure of the spirit. Open wide our arms to embrace the world you dare to serve through Jesus Christ, who gives life in abundance. Amen.